Welcome to life. I've been away for a while, but now I'm back. Now, I just want to share something with you, and as the Lord just lead me, I realize this. Sometimes it's okay to be alone because it gives you the opportunity to talk to the Lord, to meditate, and just go within. The thing is, is that we need to have the Word of God. And God's Word is so true. In Philippians 4, we learn that He says that with prayer and supplication, make your request unto, unto the Lord. So, you could be going through a rough season and you're so stressed, your mind is just depressed, you know, you're all different stuff you're going through, but it's okay. Come and still make your request to God. Talk to Him about it. Um, I think in the scripture of Second, Second Kings 19, you know, Ezekiah was going through some issue with the king of Assyria. And you read that scripture, it's so beautiful because God already was letting um, this king know where he stands. He didn't stand on anything. He let him know that, listen, I'm just going to share a portion of it. I have to just get my Bible. The part that I... Um, that I like in 2 Kings 19, it's that verse, let's start at 24, it says, I have dug wells in foreign lands, drank the water there, with the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt, it says, have you not erred, long ago I ordained it, in days of old I planned it, now I have brought it to pass, that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone and at the sidebar it says why did God ordain Assyria to devastate other nations and it says because God is sovereign he can use whatever means he wishes to accomplish his purpose sometimes he used nation events to judge nation, withholding rain, for example. Other times he used human agents, allowing one nation to punish another. All nations having descended from Noah could be held to an account and judged by God. So it said, see how could see how could God hold other nations accountable for what they never knew? Deuteronomy 9 and 4. Does God use evil to do good? And if you realize realize this, that what God is saying to us when we become disobedient, it's just like a child. The mom will say, listen, do not go near that stove. And the child wouldn't listen. And so guess what? The child gets spanking because he wouldn't listen. He continued going near the stove and it caused a problem so the same thing with us as human beings when God see that we're going 
in a different direction. He has to put a stop to that. I remember a scripture where it states that um, they were building a tower, the Tower of Babel. And God had to come down and it's like change up the language, you know? So everybody couldn't communicate with each other anymore. Everyone had a different language because he saw that this wasn't going to be fruitful. And I think about this for myself that um, when we go through stuff in life and sometimes it's a teacher, Sometimes it could be for spanking, you know, because God will use another strong nation to teach another nation, behave yourself, behave yourself. And if we're not obedient, we still get a little spanking. And even with um, natural disaster, you say to yourself, why is this happening? But if you check the Bible, you get the answer. And people support why would God use this evil thing to destroy this and that and that, that, that? It's because of our disobedience. It's our disobedience. And he wants us to acknowledge this and to realize that I'm going into a path that is not um, right for us. He actually is giving us the opportunity to stop, to say, you know something, let me hold up here. This is not the right path God wants me to go. You know, and so we have to just realize that, that it's God is so, just like what it says right here, it says God is sovereign. He can use whatever means he wishes to accomplish his purpose, his purpose. God is so merciful to us. You know, we don't see it like that. God is so merciful. He's so good to us. A situation happened to me and it caused me to be, um, right now I can't go to work, so I'm home. But in a way, it's a blessing in disguise too. Because maybe um, there was something that the Lord see with me that I need to stop. Or you want me to listen, you know what I mean? And we have to really trust in His plans. You know, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says that, For I know the plans that I have for you. And he says, The plans I have for you is to prosper you, not to harm us. And that's why I come back to that same scripture. It's not his plans toward it is to harm us. No. He's going to use whatever, whatever it is, to, um, just like what it says here in, in Second, Second Kings, verse 25, is sovereign he will use whatsoever he wishes to accomplish his purpose in our life his purpose so it is not to say he wants to hurt us or to bring evil upon us but he sees that the pathway that we're going is not right and it might be harsh but in the long run, it's a blessing. And then we're going to look back and say, you know what? It's good that I was, I had to go through this. Because it stopped me from going somewhere that God see that it wasn't fit for me. And his purpose in my life. So back to the scripture with Ezekiah. You know, this king, Assyria, he came out against God's people. 
Sometimes you hear people say, well, God says this. And sometimes God didn't say that. So this commander of the Assyrian army came out and saying that God told them that he, the, they're, they're going to have the victory. You know, and God did not say that. So we have to be careful when we read that portion. You know, his commander came out. And this is um, 2 Kings 18, verse 17. The king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Ezekiah Jerusalem. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Washerman Field. They called for the king, and Heliakim, son of Heliah, the prince, the palace administrator, Shebana, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asap, the recorder, went out to them. The field commander said to them, Tell Ezekiah, this is what the great king of Assyria says, On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom you are you depending that you rebel against me? Look now, you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pieces of man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. Such is fair a king of, of um, Egypt to all who depends on him. And if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Ezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, You must worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Come now, make a bargain with me, my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officers? So here he was kind of mocking um, Ezekiah. You know, he's mocking him. But he's not actually mocking Ezekiah in a way. You know, it's like he's coming against the Lord. And in verse 19, and I think this portion of it where it says now, starting from verse 20, I'm trying to find, um, let me find it. It says, who is it you have insulted and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice? And lifted your eyes in prayer against the Holy One of Israel by your messengers. So here God is saying, you know, this this the commander, you know, he was powerful. So he comes out and he's saying all these things. And so the Lord is responding back and saying, Who you think you're insulting? And you use your messenger. But to, to make this shorten, in the end, you see who had the last saying. It was God. And God says this. I'm just going to read this part. It says, Therefore, 
This is what the Lord says concerning king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my name's sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So you hear what God is saying. He is letting him know, says, listen, King Assyria, you're not going to enter this city. You're not going to even shoot an arrow here. The same way you came, the same way you're going to go out. And God says, I'm going to defend this city and save it for my name, for my sake, and for the sake of David, my servant. You see, that is not wonderful. Here the Lord is saying that I'm going to defend this city. And I'm taking a little bit of water. In spite of what we do in life, just like Ezekiah, he came and he spread himself out. He went into sackcloth and he prayed. He came and he prayed before God because he saw that he needed God's presence. And it, it, it shows us that um, we might have the money, the resources, the horses, the cars, whatever it is. But at the end, we need the Lord. So even though he had all, Ezekiah had all of this, he's also depending upon somewhere else, which was Egypt. And these commanders were insulting him, mocking him. So what happened is, is that in one night, 185,000 men lay dead the next morning. You see, a plague came through the, through the night. So God heard Ezekiah's prayer. You see, he came, he laid himself out, he humbled himself, you know. He probably is asking God for mercy and, and all of that. So whatever we go through in life, turn it over to the Lord. People will mock you, people will laugh at you, but it's okay. It's okay. When you humble yourself and begin to pray, he said he will cause your enemy to become your footstool. So that's all I have to say today. And I just want to wish you a beautiful evening. Welcome to life.